Chris Charles of Idle Features, and my guest this evening is a lady who first came to my attention as a pinup model, but that's only one of her occupations, and we'll find out what the others are from her, and her name is Inanna Deity. And how are you tonight, Inanna? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm pronouncing your name correctly, Inanna? Yes, Inanna. Right. Okay. I first featured you at the main site back in July of 2014, and that was in an article entitled James Girls, which I did on some of the models of photographer Mike James of Azimuth Designs. So um, how did you first get to meet Mike? Well, actually, that was totally by accident. I was, um, I was on the Facebook on my community page, and I saw one of Mike's pictures on one of his models. So I... Um, private messaged him and I said that, you know, I, I complimented him on, on the image and I thought they were very elegant, you know, they were very yeah. elegantly done, though they were very sexy and very, very you know, appealing oh, to the eye, but very elegant at the same time. So, and that's when he invited me to, um, to go and work with him if I um, was available and that's how it all started. How many shoots have you done with him since? Uh, I had three, three shoots and each time I have been there for probably about, we spend about three, four days and we do Mm -hmm. a combination of, um, pictures and videos. Right. Yeah. He likes to take his time. So when he has his models out to his place, uh, they'll usually spend three days, uh, going over shoots and, uh, coming up with themes. Now I've noticed a couple of your themes. I asked you this and you said you really didn't have a favorite, but there's a Star Trek theme that's really neat, and there's also a theme of you standing by the road hitchhiking in a very tight red dress, sort of out in the middle of nowhere. Do you have a particular favorite? Um, Star Trek is one of my favorites. That's um, in some of the recent latex ones. You know, I thought they were. It was an amazing um, experience just getting in and out of latex. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never experienced that before. In general, like starting the whole shoot with Mike, it's it's an amazing experience. If I have to put it in a couple sentences, if I may, you know, from the time that I get there, we first go grocery shopping because I have a special diet because I work out and I'm very particular about what I eat. So he takes me shopping and then we get all of that and um, then we get home and uh, I've got my own room and that evening we just kind of take it easy and we sit down and talk about some of the stuff that we're going to do. But often Mike has no idea and nor do I, but he's got this huge wardrobe and so it's almost like a playground, you know, that like the next day we get up and he helps me he does my makeup and then we go choosing the outfit and we really don't know what we want to do so it kind of comes to him uh and i at the same time like as we're going through the stuff then you know he will choose something i'll try it and then um the day starts and it is really non-stop for about eight hours like i work for like eight hours straight and by the end of the night, like by the end of the day, I am extremely tired and so is he. So, you know, we don't really waste time because we've got like three days and he wants to take as many shots as possible. It is uh, a lot of work. Mike has a very enviable job, but it is work. And um, it's, it's a lot of work and he takes it seriously, but we <laughs> also get into his car and we go around. He lives in a very nice area. It's almost in the woods. 
he's got a pond and then he's got all these um, you know spots where we can actually use for um, pictures or shots and and the hitchhike thing that you you saw it was actually done on a road to his house mm -hmm. where so many we had to really a lot of cars stopped and wonder what we were doing so it's kind of we had to wait for a quiet moment so that we could take the picture so um, yes and then we go of course eating out and everybody is looking at you because your makeup is just like all over it's a it's a lot of makeup on the face and um, it's almost like a doll type of makeup mm -hmm. so it attracts a lot of attention um, now Mike told me that your next shoot with him will involve, and I'm quoting him, silk, an aerial mini cube, trapeze, and a pole. Is that true? That's, that's true. I, that's now, I saw true. some photos of you training for that shoot. Can you give me the status on the, the schedule on that shoot? Yes. I actually became certified in uh, aerialotes, and aerialotes is, uh, is this combination of silk and trapeze when you actually do stuff, you know, off the ground. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I have taken a couple workshops in um, Cube and Aerials, and that is in Lyra. And also, I've taken about 20 lessons on poles. So I, I, I do that, and I do own a pole at home. So I practice at home, but I um, also have taken private lessons just for that particular reason. One of the hardest things is how to rig those stuff. You know, mm -hmm. you have to have a very secure place, and um, Mike's place has a very, very high ceiling. So mm -hmm. we've been thinking of one of the reasons why we haven't been able to do it, though I have been trained for it for about a year now, is that we you know, have to figure out what's the best way of rigging it so that it's safe. Maybe this year? This year, definitely. And uh, I think we're planning one shoot on, in May just because he wants to do outdoor shoots. Um, so it's warmer at that time up in uh, where Mike is. It's kind of East Coast. So, um, yeah, I, I think we will definitely include and in, we'll do some inversions, you know, some probably we'll go with the story on the pole and all of that. It's, um, it's going to be quite different from all the things that we've done from before. And I assume Mike is your favorite photographer to work with. Yes. I mean, I, I think I became extremely selective after I started working with Mike. Mm -hmm. Part of it is because he's got great eye for anatomy, number one. So, you know, your pictures, even he tells me that my pictures, are, he spends the least amount of time to, um, to Photoshop, partially because I already am a figure builder. So I, I work out. So mm -hmm. he doesn't need to really make my, you know, legs muscular or show my, you know, my abs. My, you know, I already have those. But he accentuates those, you know, with Photoshop and makes them look even tighter and nicer mm -hmm. than, you know, what is it's naturally it might be. And he does have a good eye, so it's not out of proportion. You know, the final result, I don't know if you've ever looked, like if you look at an image, sometimes you look at it and you're like, something is not right about this because a human being cannot look like this. But his are almost dollish, cartoonish, but also real. You know, it's almost like you can reach out and touch. So, yeah, I do enjoy working with him, though I enjoy with other photographers. But the pictures are not, since that's only pin-up modeling part, that I usually put my pictures in there. He's the only one I do pin-up with. Now, despite the fact that you don't normally do nudes, um, you have done some nudity, some mild nudity, and some implied nudity with Mike. I have, and uh. with other photographers as well. I do have artistic nude um, pictures, and they're, uh, they're not really... Um, 
they're they're on an artsy side, mm-hmm. if I may um, say that. Uh, they're not, you know, like they're not porn style or they're not right they're, artistic nudes. They're, yeah. they're very um, gentle to the eye, and it's really supposed to bring an expression out or an expression or a feeling or a sensuality that I. I as a human being have, you mm-hmm. know, and I would like to offer that to the viewer. So, yes, I, I do have n- not only with Mike, but I've done also artistic um, implied, you know, uh, nude pictures with some other photographers. I see. Okay, before we move on to your day job, so to speak, I'd like to cover some of your other involvements in the arts. Uh, you're also a lifestyle model with the Ford Modeling Agency. That's right. I actually have done... Um, couple projects, lots, lots of projects. I've done projects with, it's mostly catalog modeling lifestyle um, for uh, Walgreen ads or um, I've done a couple for different catalogs um, that they're like, you know, clothing, um, school supplies. I mean, that's what lifestyle modeling is all about. Mm-hmm. It, it pays really well and it's, you know, when they were actually located in Chicago, I had a lot of good opportunities to travel up to her and do a headshot, and then, and sometimes I also um, have been invited just to go as the sole model that they have chosen. Most of the times, they have multiple models coming and taking a headshot, then they choose one. But occasionally, they just choose; they already know who they want. So that has been great experience. But I've also done some textbook modeling. Mm-hmm. I've done um, with Human Kinetics, which is fitness modeling for textbooks that they want to show great, you know, like good forms of um, workout or different types of uh, forms for different moves um, at the gym. And you're a dance choreographer. Right. I do that, actually. That's part of my uh, ethnic background. I've mm-hmm. done that for 14 years um, for a, a university organization. It's a student organization where I am at in um, every year for the New Year's um, entertainment, I actually do all um, all the dances, the entertainment portion. It come, starts from all the way from choreography, custom design, lighting, stage, um, everything, makeup, and putting the whole show together, which is about 45 minutes. Um, and I usually have about 20 to 25 dancers that they're all university students and some from community. I understand uh, you recently um, choreographed a performance for the Iranian Cultural Association. That's right. Yeah, that's actually my background. That's where I am originally from. Yes, and I am in the process of preparing one for this year. And the choreography is always related to a story. Often it's a story about a cultural thing, such as like how do you um, celebrate New Year? You know, what is the traditional stuff that you do for celebration of New Year, you know, as a Persian person? Or what's the Persian wedding, you know, like? So my choreography usually is involved with the music that I choose is an expression of a tradition. Or uh, And since we have a lot of different ethnic uh, groups in Iran, each one has their own kind of costume, you know, their own kind of um, dance style, language, and, you know, all and music. So um, this year, I'm, I'm doing a totally different thing. This year, I'm kind of going across the globe, and um, every year, usually, it's about Iran. And that way, I kind of reach out and teach whatever, you know, for the community, we, we get about somewhere between 400 to 1,000 audience. 
So um, we also go to bigger cities. We get invited to go to bigger cities to to um, offer the show. And the um, student organization gets paid for it, which is a good thing for that. They, they do kind of a fundraising. Um, but this year it's going to be across the globe. It's really a story that is probably portrays me. It's my story. It's about a woman who loves to dance. and um, But there's always something that's missing inside of her. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I do, I love to dance. I do tango, I do um, Latin dance, salsa, bachata, merengue, and, you know, I do Persian dancing, I do um, Indian dance, Bollywood, belly dancing. So um, it's about a story about a woman who is, you know, gets on, on a plane and goes across the globe to find uh, what's missing inside of her. So as such, you know, she goes and first lands in Argentina and then in um, Caribbeans and then gets into India and um, finally gets to Iran and finds out and meets a man and finds that, okay, it's not just a love to music, it's a connection to also the person that she was missing. And once she finds her love, then, you know, she feels at home, both with the music as well as the person. So that's the story this year. Okay. And you are also a figure building competitor. Yes, yeah. not, not to be confused with a bodybuilder. Female bodybuilders these days have that big She-Hulk look that rival the men, but you're a fi- uh, not a bodybuilder, but a figure building competitor. You have been in several competitions and have won. Right. I actually have won all my competitions. One oh. I have placed. Most of, yes. I oh. have done four shows back to back and they're all natural bodybuilding. It's important mm-hmm. to know that there's a difference between natural and the ones that they actually take drugs, medication, or um, actually supplements. Now, in the competitions you've been in, they've done drug testing, haven't they? They're, yeah, they do polygraph tests, and then they mm-hmm. also they also do uh, urine tests to make sure that there's no um, steroids, you know, in your system or any kind of other enhancers. The ones that I have participated are actually three different natural bodybuilding. One of them is OCB, there's NGA, there, there, and then there's NAMBF. Mm. There's NPC, and NPC is one of the biggest ones that actually produces IFFB Pro. And that's the one that, that you see a lot of big, big, really big muscular. And NPC does have a natural um, part to it. There is a natural um, like a section to it. But they actually really don't. I've done MPC as well for the natural part, but they don't really do drug tests. They randomly choose someone, and um, obviously everyone takes um, takes enhancers. They they are all on on steroids of some, or some other things or growth hormones or some other things. So you cannot. There is no way, absolutely no way, for someone who's done this for more than fifteen years. There's no way that you can get that big naturally. It's just impossible. So when you see those people with those huge like muscles, especially female, you know that they are probably on some kind of an enhancer. Well, they also develop male characteristics. That's right. And if you look at their faces or you talk with them, you look at their hair, it's pretty brittle. You know, yes, they do. It, it, you know, they, it is just unnatural pretty much. But um, the competing you do. That is uh, strictly uh, drug-free. Now, how often do you uh, go into the gym to train when you're preparing for one of those competitions? Um, when I started this, I actually had a whole um, I had a whole schedule. Mm-hmm. So I was at the gym six days a week, and you usually go twelve weeks out. 
So if your competition, my competition was in May, say, I started sometime uh, early March. And uh, it's not just the workout. It's really one of the most important things about competition is the diet. The diet of low-carb, you know, high-protein, low-carb, and medium-fat, and counting your carbs, you know, your macronutrients is really, really important. That's one of the biggest things that... Um, a lot of people cannot endure, you know, when once you go low carb, you become a little bit lethargic, you become really easily fatigued, especially the first couple of weeks when you go through the withdrawals, carb withdrawals. So diet is a big, big part of it. When you see those people that lean, you know, standing on the stage, um, workout alone is not going to do it because you can work out day in, day out. But if you don't watch what you're eating, you're not going to look like that. You're not going to be lean. Right. And to show your muscle and muscle definition, you gotta you gotta do the diet. Mm -hmm. So um, every day at the gym for an hour and a half, most of the time, about fifty minutes of it is floor work, which I do different body parts, and then after that, about twenty to thirty minutes of cardio. And um, my cardio is usually in the form of intervals, which is, you know, you go like 40 seconds really slow and then 20 seconds as fast as you can where you're just about to throw up. I mean, you're just so tired. Your heart rate is way above your maximum heart rate. Mm -hmm. um, and then you, you do 40 seconds of slow. So that interval uh, training actually burns a lot more fat. And I do that usually after my um, floor work. And then there's a day, rest day. And those rest days, I try to do yoga. Or even throughout the week, if I can, I do um, healing or tissue healing or soft tissue work. Or I try to do massage or yoga, meditation, so that, you know, you don't shorten your muscles and you don't become, you know, especially as a woman, that you don't use that flexibility. Because the more you, you um, lift, uh, the less flexible you become, especially on your hamstrings, you know, your arms and your shoulders. So it's important to continue stretching and doing deep stretches um, to be able to maintain your, you know, like nice, um, kind of like a lean, but also elongated body. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to food, do you have any foods that are sort of like guilty pleasures that you treat yourself to once in a while? Pizza, hamburger, ice cream? I haven't had pizza for 10 years, so no. I do eat ice cream, but it's all calculated. And if it's ice cream, it's low carb. I, I, I make my own food. I rarely eat out. And I prepare my food. I carry my food with me everywhere I go. If I go somewhere, there's a restaurant, you know, I kind of don't order off of the menu. Wow. I know what I want, so I tell them I'm... Wanting four ounces of, you know, plain chicken, no, nothing added, no salt. And then I have broccoli and sweet potato, for example. So nothing that a restaurant will not have. Mm -hmm. Or spinach, you know, with egg whites or for breakfast and uh, avocado. I, I kind of, I'm very particular, almost to the yeah. point of being, um, is it okay to use the, the, a bad term like anal? I'm pretty mm -hmm. particular about what I eat. So, uh, yeah, and I never do a cheat food. I've, I've never cheated. Really? Yeah, I don't cheat. I don't believe in cheat food, number one. And number two, I don't believe on going yo-yoing back and forth off-season, on-season. A lot of athletes that they actually do bodybuilding, you know, their uh, competition weight is about 20 to 25, sometimes to 30 pounds um, lighter. Mine is kind of same. Uh, in the past, you know, 14 years since I've started kind of like going to the gym, you know, I started at... Uh, 120 and then my competition was 105 when I competed with 8% body fat 
And then I kind of allowed myself to get back to about 112 with um, about 12 to 13 percent body fat. And that's where I have stayed. You know, that's just become a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. All right, then. Well, moving on to your day job, so to speak, you are a department head at a college. That's that, right. Uh, would you like to tell me a little about that? Sure. Um, I actually do have a deg- um, like a bachelor's and a master's. My bachelor's in, <laughs> is in electrical engineering, and uh-huh. I do have a bachelor's in food science and human nutrition. That's where I got my all my nutritional, you know, nutrition information. Also, I do. Yes, I'm what is a so-called a dean at a college, and I have been for 17 years. Uh, my field is electrical and computer engineering, and that's um, you know who the faculty, the teachers, the students that I work with. Those are the areas that um, that's that's the area, and I love my job. I I cannot. Um, imagine not doing what I do every day as an administrator when I go to my work is a new day it's full of um, events and the best part of it is working at at a community college where they have open door policy meaning anyone and everyone can walk in and get education which is one of the things that I truly I, I strongly believe in you know allowing or giving opportunity for everybody to be able to you know, get educated to learn and to um, reach their educational goals and professional goals. And then once I see the students land their jobs and we form, you know, um, relationships with our local industry and I see our students get jobs and, you know, grow their family and grow their skills and come back and teach for us or, you know, collaborate in some other ways, it's an amazing feeling. It's it's one of the best feelings. So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. That uh, I have been doing for 17 years. Okay, that's that's really uh, admirable. I mean, it's sort of like um, you're Wonder Woman, and that's your day job as Diana Prince. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit. It's really difficult at a society where. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the hardest time I have is really uh, being out and open about who I am and all the different dimensions that as a as a woman I have. Um, I do believe that every human being has lots of potentials. And I also know that very few of us tap in those potentials. By the time we die, we probably only know about a few, whereas we could have many. But the society sometimes boxes us in with our titles, you know, whether you are a teacher or you're a department chair or you're a doctor or a lawyer, you know, or a model or entertainer. It's almost you're boxed, boxed into what you your title is and what your skills are, you know, def, kind of define you. What I've been trying to do is not to let that happen because mm-hmm. I have so many aspirations, you know, um, anywhere from singing to dancing to education to management to leadership to whatever, you know, to bodybuilding to sculpting. I don't know what I have what I have inside, you know, I am so curious about who I am. So I constantly challenge myself on a daily basis. Every day I wake up or every week, every month, every year, it's like, what can I explore about me this year? What is it that I don't know about me that I can discover? And that's an amazing journey has been for me so far. It's just, you know, when you look at my modeling pictures and look at my day job, putting them together, it's just not, doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. Someone who knows me, you know, like as a department chair can never picture me as a nana. Now, do um, any of your colleagues know 
about your pinup modeling or your some some of my uh, colleagues fitness building uh, competing my fitness definitely yes almost everybody knows about my fitness because i also judge you know the bodybuilding shows and i i go to a local gym so a lot of our competitors know and the community you know is fully aware of that i also do comic-con and that's something Mm -hmm. that you know, cosplay, and because one of our programs is in animation and game game design and game playing, mm-hmm. um, that's an area where a lot of some of the students know because they have attended some of the comic cons that I have been to. So um, yeah, that, those are kind of out in the open. But again, you know, being a bodybuilder is is kind of a sports type of thing. You know, right. whether it's a figure building, bodybuilding, or a men's physique, or modeling, or bikini, or whatnot. But do you think there's sort of a stigma attached to being a quote-unquote pin-up model? A pin-up model. That I think so. Maybe a little detrimental know, to your... Yes. Okay. Well, detrimental, no, maybe being judged. You know, uh-huh. ju- judgment is a natural um, human being behavior. Uh-huh. So you will be judged regardless of, you know, no matter what. And it's not the judge, you know, being judged, but it's also the society, you know, perception mm-hmm. and um, what they, the perception of the society is of someone in academia, for example, does not really go hand in hand to be also doing artistic nude, say. Or vice versa, right? Or vice versa. <laughs> you know, it's like a lot of people that they're in bodybuilding, you can not, or figure building, probably about, Five percent of them, because I judge and I see the biography of all of our competitors and or even the judges. Often they're all, you know, holders of the gym or they have some kind of club or you know their jobs are very related to the you know skills and activity or whatever it is that they're doing. Mine is totally on the two opposite sides of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally unexpected. Totally like, and I didn't know how like so how opposite they were I didn't think of it that much until I started telling people oh yeah I do this and I do that and that's when the people's jaw drops and they're like we we cannot comprehend or see you you know going into an office and working in an office environment but also doing this Mm -hmm. so if a colleague or a student approached you with say a photo of you as a James girl and ask you to sign it. Would you be okay with that or would you be kind of take <laughs> would you be kind of taken aback when he or she possibly t- possibly taken back first <laughs> uh, because um, you know Mike James's work is not is not is very very um, I honestly don't know if there's a category for it because I don't know if you've seen any of the videos right now we've shut down the videos um, but the videos are extremely sensual right the I'm very familiar with this because I did the two articles on him and I interviewed um, some of the other ladies who right. re- regularly pose for him. Some of the videos can be almost um, erotic borderline <laughs> porn. You well, know, it, it depends on the models. On the models, um, exactly. It depends on the models. Some of the, some of the ladies are, well, I don't want to say they're from that kind of a background, but some of the ladies are a little more inclined. There's one lady who was a former Playboy model. Um, there's another lady who did some softcore stuff earlier in her career and so maybe um, they would be a little more inclined to lean that way but I know like yourself and I think uh, Dahlia Derriere is another lady who just um, does the milder uh, right, artistic right. stuff it's, it's honestly people ask me why do you do the videos you know what do you get out of it for me it's just an exploration of, of my uh, self expression also understanding right, right. Me in a different situation, you know, and he just lets me be. 
And that's awesome. When, when I'm just moving, I'm just doing something by myself. I'm not camera conscious, you know, I'm just stretching or I'm just like laying down, I'm taking a shower or I'm being naughty or I'm being funny or I'm being silly, you know. I mean, every video has something like a different side or I'm being like, um, sexy, you know. I mean, we have all those different sides, but we don't show them out there. Like mm-hmm. we are very, or we don't, even like acknowledge it even if we are being it we're not really acknowledging it and those videos for me like it's it's a form of self-expression i can i can say i feel this and i'm showing it and i i can you know it's not it's not unnatural um if a student walks in (laughs) with a picture of me i will sign it and i've already made up my mind this happened last year somebody uh put my some of my videos at my real name on website and um, on the YouTube channel. And I had 48 views right from here where I actually live. So I contacted YouTube. I contacted, you know, all the different um, Google and every place, FBI. And I didn't know who, who, who did that because it's a violation of your privacy. And also mm-hmm. um, those are all... Um, they belong all to Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, I, when I release the model, um, like the model form, he really is the owner and no one should be reposting or posting those. Although it happens, um, but... Oh. oh, yeah, it is the internet, the almighty internet, so... There's... Exactly. So, yeah, I'm prepared that if anyone asks, do I, can I own up to what I have done? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm prepared to be able to provide answers or why or, you know, why I do what I do and... Mm-hmm. Um, Not that it's something you should have to defend, or be uh, you know in any way ashamed of. Right. Although I had a colleague coming to my office and um, telling me that it's really sensitive, and some of these videos are pretty um, sensual, and if someone from the community sees, uh, it may cause some problems about my job. Then again, it might increase enrollment, especially among male (laughs) students. I I know I don't know if the college board members would really approve that kind of you know recruitment strategy, but I guess it could be one yeah. at a time where we're really really um, aching for enrollment at the mm-hmm. college. Uh, yeah, it would it would among males anyway. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, oh by the way, did you ever get to ride in Mike's famous brown pickup truck? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, Mike, he doesn't drive a fancy sports car. He usually takes his models around in his brown pickup. His uh, brown pickup and another car. And I, I don't want to reveal a lot about Mike's private life. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Mike Mike is quite a character. You mm. would be amazed. He's When you're with Mike, it's almost like you're back to being 10. Yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. And I'm sure he'll be listening to this and he'll appreciate all the plugs. Yes, okay. I, yes. Yes, I'm. I'm just delighted that I got to know Mike and work with him. Yes, and um, a lot of good things have happened ever since in terms of making contacts because of his pictures. You mm-hmm. know, being asked to be possibly, you know, getting into Star Trek, the one that they're making for fans, uh-huh. being invited to go audition for that. You know, getting involved with some of the other actors, actresses, producers. Um, yes, it has opened up a lot of good doors for me. Are you going to be, uh, be appearing at any Comic Cons in the near future that you'd like to mention? Yes, we are We are planning on being on the Comic Con. I am trying to come up with... I'm waiting for uh, Kitana's new act. 
and see because Kitana is one of the things that I've been doing and I still am not quite sure whether I want to do the um, any other characters Kitana comes very natural to me and I uh, you know I actually enjoy it but the um, Mortal Kombat has come up with new totally new outfits and new moves and new actions and the last time that I was I mean I have we also me and my partner uh, a friend of mine who does the Sub-Zero we won the best in show in Austin Texas comic-con so we're hoping that to learn the new new act and hopefully win the next one uh, possibly doing Katana again maybe Vampirella oh that really might, yes that, Vampirella, that, you're that, a Vampirella fan I yes Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I am. I was going I, to mention that. I was going to ask if you've uh, ever considered doing Vampirella because I'm a huge Vampirella fan. Actually, a lady I interviewed uh, two months ago, her name is Jessica Felice. She uh-huh. does an amazing Vampirella. She looks as if she just stepped off of a magazine cover. The reason Vampirella, like, I'm looking for something with action because uh-huh. what I want to do is be able to do a choreography or something that we can actually do a, like a fighting a fight scene. I see. So I've been learning some stuff with the samurai, um, you know, sword. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for a character that lends itself real well for that kind of, you know, um, like a fight scene. Now, of course, so, you're probably probably going to have to use some sort of an adhesive to keep that Vampirella costume in place. When you <laughs> that's it because true. that's a problem a lot of ladies have had. As a matter of fact, Avery, Avery uh, Miseraka, who's also a James girl, she's done some shoots with Mike James. I don't know if you've met her or not. Uh, she did Vampirella in the early 90s as a model at uh, comic conventions, but um, not really a lot of action stuff. The adhesive are available. You do that with your figure building stuff, mm-hmm. too. There's yeah. A, yeah, yeah, I, I understand. That's true because there's a, almost n- next to nothing. What you're wearing really is very little, covering very little. Um, Mike is going to, Mike has already designed the costume. The Vampirella so, costume? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. The, his, his version of Vampirella. So. We'll see if we can put it together, or we may contact someone to, and ask them to make it for us. Oh, wow. So we'll see. I'll definitely look forward to that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I'll thank you again, Anana, for being here with me. It's really been amazing talking to you and hearing about all um, different sides of you. In closing, do you have anything you'd like to say to friends or fans? Uh, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate the fact that you took interest, you know, first with the articles. I'm first wanting to thank you, and now the podcast. Um, I want to tell to, to my fans, thank you, because honestly, without their um, encouragement, I may have not done multiple shoots. You know, every time I get a fan, you know, a thumbs up or any kind of comments that I get, and I go over every single comment, by the way. The other day I was talking to one of my fans, and he was asking whether I have a page manager, and I'm it's my page manager who's talking to him because our conversation got a little deeper than, you know, normal, just like a two-minute conversation. So he was grateful that I spent the 10 minutes that I did, you know, with him, and he couldn't understand why I would do that. But I want him to know Every single one of them count for me as a person who, you know, puts herself out there, whether that's modeling or figure building or Comic-Con, you know, the encouragement, the, the good energy, the positive energy I get from the from the fans really gets me going, gets the adrenaline up and makes me even more motivated to, to do more and to come up with uh, more innovative stuff. 
So thank you. Thank you to my thanks to my fans. Thank you and everyone else who actually follows me on on my page, on my community page or are my friends on Facebook. Thank you. All right. Okay, so on behalf of myself and Anana, I'll say thank you to the fans and readers of Idle Features. Besides our podcast show, you can check out our main website at idlefeatures.com for Anana's featured article, or I should say Anana being featured in the article entitled James Girls, as well as many more articles on ladies just worthy of a double take. This has been Chris Charles. (laughs) 